Hi, Time Hackers. I'm Jacques, and I'm absolutely obsessed with everything about time. Time hacks, tips, and tools. I want to squeeze every minute out of my schedule and make the most out of life. I've co-founded numerous startups, including Stacks, a tech unicorn valued at over a billion dollars. Constantly having lots of irons in the fire, while my wife Yvonne and I raised three kids, has required me to develop a lot of time management and self-reflection skills. On this podcast, I'll discuss some of the things that have helped me. More importantly, we'll learn together by interviewing fascinating people that have their own perspectives on time. Welcome to the Taking Your Time podcast. Hey, Time Hackers, this is Jacques with the Taking Your Time podcast, and I'm here today with Luis Garcia. I am so excited for all of you to be able to hear from Luis today. And, you know, just a little bit about Luis's background. He is a seasoned international executive, over 25 years of experience in technology, digital media, and education, and he specializes in driving new ventures and products. He's the co-founder of Collectiva, a company that provides executive services to game tech startups. Did I pronounce that correctly? I like to pronounce it Collectiva, but I think that's cool too. It's Collectiva, guys. I, I did it wrong, uh, but I'm not going to edit that. So before co-founding Collectiva, Luis made substantial contributions to Full Sail University over a span of nearly 20 years, helping to establish Full Sail Online and making Full Sail a pioneer in online education and significantly expanding the reach of its programs. Luis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to uh, come on the show. And I want to hear all about you know your background. I, I love your story. But you know, I'd love to start with. I saw a, a quote that you had posted a while back on social media. I wanted to hear if there was maybe more of a story behind it. Uh, and you had you had uh, said, "Remember, moving up is about being pushed from the bottom." not pull from the top. And I wanted to know if there was another story, uh, you know, maybe behind that a little bit deeper. Oh, thank you. Actually, I, I love that quote. And uh, I wish that I would have come up with it, but I didn't. And I learned that in when I was in business school. I attended uh, the Fuqua School of Business at the university about 20 years ago. And we were very lucky that they would bring past CEOs and to speak to us. And, and I remember this guy very clearly. Uh, I talked about his story and how he went from a, a company to another. And, and I did a turnaround and uh, very impressive. And But at the end, what he had to say was that we needed to help others succeed. And uh, especially leaders like us and upcoming leaders at the time, it was our responsibility to, to lay uh, the journey for others and, and he said that. He said that people don't move up by being pulled from the bottom, from the top. They, they move up by being pushed from the bottom. And, uh, and I, I, I took it to heart and, and I made it my career from now, from now on to always make sure that I spend time, uh, helping others fulfill their career goals as well. And Tell us a little bit about Collectiva. I mean, what are what are some of the things that you guys are working on? What made you d- decide to leave a a very uh, productive and and uh, I would say you know industry changing career at, at Full Sail? And what got you excited about starting Collectiva? Oh, thank you. Uh, you're right. Uh, my career at Full Sail University was incredibly exciting and uh, and productive. And we were able to do 
just amazing things in the time frame that I was there. Uh, the organization grew more than three times. Uh, uh, we experienced incredible growth over that over that period, uh, and it was very so fulfilling. And uh, but at some point, you know, I think that we all have personal goals, financial goals, and uh, professional goals. And I think you're if you're employed, you better get at least two of those things. And uh, I do think that sometimes those when those goals align, everything goes great. And when they don't align, you better pursue those goals somewhere else. And um, there's nothing against the organization, which is a place that I, is very, very dear to me. But I wanted to fulfill the goals of creating an organization on my own, helping other organizations. I wanted to uh, go back and work in technology, uh, which is my first passion and love. And I really enjoy helping others fulfill their vision of growth. And I do believe that careers are formed where people believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And uh, and I, I try to do that for others. And I'm putting my faith in, in, in entrepreneurs and helping bring my experience to them so they can fulfill the dream is something very fulfilling to me. And uh, so that's why I decided to go on that. So with that, is I'm a, I'm a fractional executive. Uh, so I partner with companies and uh, startups, tech startups. And, uh, you know, Jack, you know, when you in the tech startup, there's so much, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the founders are so focused on the things that they know, and there's so much that they don't know, and they don't, and they don't have the time or the experience to tackle everything else. Uh, so that's what I come in. I, I try, I tackle everything else that they can do. I've been very lucky to be in a career where I have uh, tackled a breadth of problems, not in technology, in business, in marketing, in product, in operations. So I have a lot of uh, range into the problems that I can tackle. And uh, so whatever is their need uh, so they, they can succeed, I, I can probably uh, be of, of, of tremendous help. And uh, so I become a team member with them and, uh, and then help on growth. So m- most of my clients are software developers. They are developing a software product, most likely a SaaS product. And, uh, and they are some way or another using gaming, gaming technologies, which is exciting to me. Any interesting projects you're working on now? Yeah, all of them. I think it's super interesting. Uh, one of them is, is is using 3D visualizations on the web uh, to increase sales. And uh, we're also developing an AI-driven uh, digital assistant for education. And uh, another client of mine is using productivity tools for 3D animators, specifically for visual effects, uh, which is super, super cool and very, very complicated. And, uh, and then another one is an improv company that is doing a digital product to help employees in companies increase their mental fitness using prof- improvisational play. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And you know, uh, I know you're, you're into this, uh, the AR VR space as well, right? You have to be these yes. days that's on top of it. Uh, and I know that you, you had visited the Apple campus once and asked them about what they're doing and. So now that you know you know what they were working on, these new Apple Vision Pros VR headsets, are these a game changer? Are you 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 want to make a prediction here about you know what's what's going to happen over the next few years with this new product? So I I think it's a game changer, but it's a slower game changer than people may hype it to be, right? And I've been in the, in VR since the nineties. I mean, I, I took my first course in VR. In '96 at Fulton University, so it's been almost 30 years, and now being in the field, 
Um, and uh, I used to joke that if I got a penny for every time somebody tells me that next five years they're going to be mass adoption, I'll be a millionaire right now. I think 10 years actually, this time is, is, is much more predictable. There's a few things about what they did that are very different than what everybody else is, is doing. I think the most profound is they're not trying to take you somewhere else. And, and that's a, a very different approach uh, to the medium, where, whereas Meta and other companies are trying just to take you somewhere else and create a new world with you in it. This one's trying to enhance where you are. In, uh, and, I, and I like that approach a lot more. Now, so I will say that's number one. Number two, the approach to interface is probably the best. It's the most game tent. And uh, the fact that there's no controllers uh, is, is allows the adoption. That was a, a very more. interesting choice. Of yes. no and, uh, but in order to do that, of course, they have a microprocessor just for that, and uh, which takes a lot of the load of processing from other processes. They have cameras pointing down. You don't have to put your hands up here. And they use the eye tracking plus the, the fingers to enable that. Uh, I have talked to people that have tried to do eye tracking as, a, as an input interface. They said they get tired. It's really, really difficult. And uh, so why they did it better is, yeah, I think it's going to be something interesting. But I read that the, that the study how the eye moves before they have an intention. So it if they have a particular eye movement that signals that they want to open an application, then they predict what application you're going to be looking at uh, opening, and they use the fingers to follow up on it, and that's how they can do it so so properly. Uh, so I think that technology alone is game changer, regardless of the of the rest of the of everything. And uh, at thirty five hundred dollars, it's really hard to get math, math adoption, but that's going to be. A trickle down. And my prediction, it is it will probably replace the lab. I, I would be very excited about that. I, you know, I was uh, very early on, maybe not as long as you, but as a consumer, very interested in uh, in, in VR and AR. And um, I even had uh, at one point to to get the most immersive experience. I had created a uh, a VR room in our house, so it had no furniture. You know, kind of like a holodeck if you've seen Star Trek, right? So you yes. could just put that. Put the headphones on, and uh, and you know be sort of fully fully immersed in that virtual world. Completely impractical, I think, for a typical consumer to to go down this path. So it is. Uh, I do like this. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they 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 have a way to to level that the, the amount of in, uh, immersion that you have, and uh, which renders unnecessary the whole part of I have to make sure the room or make sure that you know set up the the device. It's, Imagine the amount of the friction that that product actually has so far, and, and they're really good at eliminating friction. And and so I do think that they probably created a category, in uh, but differently than than what we think. I will probably don't understand the category just yet. It's gonna that's take a fair. while. That's it. Do you think there's applications uh, for you know saving time? Like, is there a way that we can? Uh, use some of this technology to be more productive, either at work or in our personal lives. Like, what what do you sort of see in that uh, in that evolution? Yes, I do because because the ability to have uh, we know already that several screens give you more productivity because the ability to look at more stuff. And now you have a very large screen that you can have different windows open at the same time. And uh, we also know that different activities re- require different physical locations. And now 
this thing allows you to be in different locations at the same time. So those two things together alone should give you savings in time. And not to mention when you travel now, fewer things to carry around. If you only have to carry that device and that, and now you can work and be up and running in that, in that hotel room without having like, where's the cable for this? And where's the cable well, I do, for that? I do my best writing at the beach, but that's fairly impractical being landlocked here in Orlando to, to yes. drive to the beach every time. <laughs> But you can imagine that you could probably talk, put on that, that device on the beach and talk to it and they take the notes and that, that you probably would be writing. So yeah, I, I, I think that there got to be several time-related use cases for it. So, you know, what is something in your line of work or, or something that you've experienced in, in maybe a past role that is an example of where, you know, people would be surprised by you know, how long it takes. Almost any, any project that that has ambitious goals takes longer than people think. And uh, I will mention the executive, but once told me, why is it every time that I ask about a project, you tell me 90 days? And it always takes takes more than 90 days. And I said, because if I tell you more than 90 days, then you won't approve the project. And so I most likely anything that is of, of profound result or and that will require more than 90 days it, and will require more time than people think. They are not easy solutions these days for almost anything. No, I, pre- I appreciate that. Uh, and what about on the other side of the spectrum? Is there something, you know, in gaming or VR, or have you seen, you know, any any transformations like that? Yeah, so a couple of examples. In, in the VR world, uh, we were experimenting with uh, learning applications that use 3D. And I don't think 3D is can be applied for any learning, but they are learning that it's much better done in 3D, step-by-step, step, stop of the physical world. But one that, that it was very interesting to me was uh, matrix mass. And uh, when you're doing uh, video games, uh, the mass to understand where in the space an object is and all that, it uses a lot of matrix. It's kind of complicated to understand. And, um, and so one of those instructors... Uh, instead of teaching in 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 a, in a whiteboard and trying to understand what, how the vectors go and you know and do x operations on them and what that means, he actually took it into the 3D world and to teach it inside the 3D world. And and he claimed that something that would take four hours to understand was taking ten minutes or uh, oh, wow. you know a dramatic reduction on the understanding of of the math of that kind of math uh, in uh, vector algebra. Uh, what it was applied directly into the 3D world. So, uh, so that's one example. The other one is the the one that everybody's talking about. I've been, and I know that you're using, I've been using also generative, generative AI. And uh, a lot of, in my work, I always have to generate content in, because I'm for branding purposes, for strategy purposes. For, and, uh, and it's just such an amplification tool. And because I always have to work with, with editors in that let's do a position statement or a narrative for this, a narrative for that. They go right, they come back, you read it, change the tone here, change the words over there, swap this for that. And then they go again for another day and come back. And now you do that and you have an editor working for you for $20 a month. And uh, you just give all these directions in writing and immediately generate you the, the new version. Well, one of these um, days we won't even have to. Uh, we'll we'll just tell our virtual avatars to do a podcast and then give us the result. We won't with even... our voice. <laughs> Those, they'll probably make me look very good. Uh, but the other other use case that I use for that is to help me think. 
And uh, I usually try to do uh, a strong thinking uh, a way to save time. And uh, there's a, a concept of cognitive load. During the day, the, your cognitive load is like a cup of coffee. So as the days go by, your cups keep filling up. And, uh, and it makes it more difficult to understand things and to make sound decisions. So I try to not make a very profound decisions past 4 p.m. So that means that in the mornings is when I try to do more thinking type work, more decision making type work in the morning. In that, and I, I I no longer we're having different clients. I cannot afford to put everybody in the morning. Sometimes I have to work in the afternoon or even later afternoon in a new idea. And so I have turned into ChatGPT to help me through think through it. So in, uh, if I try to do something more complex in the afternoon, I go slower. Uh, but I think ChatGPT is, is helping me pick up that speed by giving me feedback on my thought. By and, the way, um, isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't it funny how in entrepreneurship we always think about how flexible it will be to be an entrepreneur because you can make your own schedule, you can you can be working on the beach, and yet that's not really how it pans out, is it? I like to ask sometimes, like, do you have a, you know, morning routine that you follow or you, yeah, you have like something, I'd love to hear what that looks like. Yeah, I'm a creature of routine and, uh, and I plan everything. I'll try to plan as much as possible, but yes, I, I wake up early, 6.15 and the routine changes a little bit when the kids are in school now, but, but if it's a school, school year day, 6.15, I'm up, my first job is to make coffee. And uh, I unload the, the dishwasher. And, but it's such a good routine for me because I don't, I don't have to think about it, but it helps me wake up. And uh, by 6.30, I'm sitting down to, to, to see the news. It's important to me to know what's important in the world early in the morning. So at 6.30, I'm, I'm watching the news, sipping my coffee. And then I go wake up my kids up by 7 or 6.45, take them to school by, by, by 7.15. And before that, I change in my running clothes. When I come back to mm-hmm. school, I go run. And that becomes the best time for thinking. Even though I'm listening to a podcast, podcasts always uh, trigger thoughts. And, uh, and uh, when I'm running in those 50, 40 to 60 minutes, depending on the distance, and then there's a lot of thinking that happens there. Come back, change, take a shower, be in the computer by 9.30. And... Uh, that's an awesome morning routine. I mean, it's like you can just you can just take off for the day after that. I mean, you got your exercise in. Um, <laughs> I, I can tell you, you know, it takes a few minutes to make the coffee, so that means you know you did your dishes in less than five minutes to get them to yeah. get them done by six thirty, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a great a great routine. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. But everything is a routine in uh, weekly meetings and uh, I'm. Everything is in my calendar. Taking the kids to school, going running, lunch in the calendar, dinners in the calendar. It, not only me, it's everything's in the calendar. So it sounds like you do have a pretty intentional structure for your days and your weeks. Do you think of it as a as a weekly structure, a daily structure? Like how do you break down those routines? And and are there any other interesting ones that you'd like to share? So, so sure. And uh, right now it's more on a weekly, uh, on a weekly basis. And uh, on Monday morning, I have a meeting with my wife, my co-founder, and we go over the week. Uh, what's happening that week? What's important? What's not important? And uh, where do we need logistics? And uh, on Sunday, we discuss with the kids the week as well. And, uh, and uh, because that requires logistics as well and for them to know and 
make decisions because as they grow older, they, they want to be part of the decision making. But that's and so we have to allow time for that. Uh, so we're going on a week by week basis. Uh, but when I'm working, when I was in the, with a full time employer, then I do yearly plan. And uh, this routine I do keep for myself. I write a, a, a yearly letter to myself. Mm. Yep. The early dates of December. And, uh, and then I, to be read 12 months later. And this is me a year later reflecting back on what happened in the year. And, uh, and I write all that because it's, it allows me to, to think ahead of what do I want that year to, to be. And uh, personally, and uh, in relationships, and in my goals, and my professional goals. And, uh, and they're specific, like, we launched this product and yield this many sales and things like that. But also, we took this vacation to this place, and it was great. And uh, we worked in a relationship, and now we're closer. I mean, we have things, like intentional works like that. And then I take that and break it into a quarterly milestone. To get to those goals, you have to have milestones to get you there. I break it down quarterly milestones. And then those quarterly milestones, when I have a team, and this is a, a, a part of the, a, the work part, then becomes the weekly staff meetings are to look at the quarterly milestones and make sure that we're working towards them. Doesn't mean that we don't need to pivot, but it means it means that when you pivot, you know exactly what direction, what you're sacrificing for what, or what kind of trade-offs you're making. So, so yeah, that is my process. Planning vacations is part of the process as well. So in January, we plan all the vacations that we're planning to have that year, what week that are going to be, and I put it also in the calendar, in the in the family calendar and in the work calendar. Uh, when I have staff, I ask them to give me all their vacations in January as well, and their staff, because you can't have a quarterly planning session. You don't know who's going to be around. Right, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and it doesn't mean that you won't change it, but it, it forces everybody to think about and plan their year as well. And uh, so that if you put everything in the third quarter, like, you know, you're going to reach the moon in the third quarter, but, you know, half the staff is out taking vacations, then that's probably not going to happen. So we either have to uh, take those goals and spread them more out, or or maybe I should be thinking about not approving everybody vacation at the same time, so, and, uh, or something like that. So, so yeah, and that's kind of the... My process goes from, from year to quarter to month to day to hour. So how do you do What if you, do you, have you ever worked in an organization with unlimited uh, vacation? How would you deal with that? You know, I have not yet. So I, I guess that, that would be new. But it doesn't really matter as long as it's planned. The, but yeah. what, what we really say is not people cannot take vacation. What we're saying is they're just planned. Uh, what you don't want. Is, and this happened very early in my career, and that's why I do it, is that I always say, well, I will always approve everybody's vacation, everybody should decide to go on vacation. I went and approved everybody's vacation without even looking at it. And then more than once, I found myself like, oh, there's no one around. Mm-hmm. And now I can't really, you know, I, I can't really, uh, we cannot really uh, deliver. And I can't really take vacations myself either because I give all the time off for everybody, had to cover for everyone. So, so no, I think unlimited vacation will be fine as long as we plan. Yeah, no, I, I like the approach of planning out, you know, as for a longer time horizon. Even if you're checking in weekly and sort of keeping your pulse on it, but you have something to sort of guide you in between those week to week or month to month moments to make sure you're staying on track. So I think I think that's a great, great advice. Uh, 
You know what? One thing I also like to ask my guests is, you know, a, a time-saving tip. You know, it could be anything from, uh, you know, work. It could be, you know, something personal. It could be, you know, an app or it could be something, you know, very manual or analog. But do you have, do you have a favorite, you know, time-saving tip that you would like to share? Well, I think I already spoke about it. I mean, I think planning is my take time. And uh, if there are goals and there are plans for those goals, then you're always working towards something and that uh, you're never wasting it. And, and uh, so that, uh, that would be one of them. The other one that I, I do and I can be annoying about it is I am never late to any meeting and I'm very vocal about people being late, very vocal about it because I don't waste anybody's time. I don't want anybody to waste my time. So my time saving tip is be on time and demand that other people be on time. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot of a lot of wasted minutes here and there, pushing pushing you know a cascade of of late meetings. Right? There's this uh, company where all of their meetings they cannot start or end on the hour, so it has to be one o five to you know to to one twenty five or something like that. Right? So there's a very precise minute that the meeting starts. There was that's, in, that's their good. interesting way of handling it to like make you pay attention. In this in this Zoom world, we ha- I have seen meetings go for fifteen minutes now and for and for thirty minutes, which is are very precise and and the uh, the very nice the, the most dramatic one. If you want to know a good story, I was part of this group that we met once a week for high level thinking. It was four hours of just thinking about complex problems that we we're having at the university, and uh, and we were so committed. That we were charge, we charge five dollars per minute that you were late to the meeting. <laughs> what? That would definitely make me show up on time, or maybe quit the group. So, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, and it was part of the team charter, and uh, and so everybody agreed to it. It wasn't my idea, and uh, and we had a, a little a glass. Where people would put the dollar bills and the five the five dollar like bills for jar, every right? like I, yeah that's it that's it's right I had hundreds of dollars a year in that's amazing what did you do with the money at the donated it yeah nice very nice <laughs> well Luis I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing you know everything about uh, you know what you've got going on um, if there's any way that uh, we can the audience can help you out if you uh, if there's if they want to reach out to you, or if there's anything else you want to share with the audience, please go ahead. Oh, thank you. So, as you said before, I have my, my practice is called Collectiva, and I'm a fractional executive. So, you're a startup a founder that's creating interest in technology and don't have time to do all the things. And I'll tell you, so you won't have time to do all the things that you have to do. Uh, and you want a next up set of, of, of hands and brains. And then reach out to me on LinkedIn and uh, Luis E. Garcia, or you can go to my website, collectiva.tech. And from there, you can actually connect with me in, in LinkedIn. Either way, I'm in LinkedIn, one way or another. Awesome. Well, thanks again. You have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you liked it. If you could do me a favor, if you enjoyed the show and you think others would benefit from it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or however you listen. Reviews are the number one way other listeners find out about the show. Thank you for listening, and remember, life is how you choose to spend your time. Please use it wisely.